Hey all you Freddy cats and kittens, welcome to this week's episode of Deathly Afraid. My name is Brian. And I'm Whitley. And how was your week? Oh man, you did it wrong. I didn't You're supposed say, to go, ooh. Yeah, because you were saying, and this is Deathly Afraid. And then I go, ooh. We'll start it over. No, I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> we're at where we're at. Fine. And my week, I don't know what my week, maybe I shouldn't have you asked me about my week, because I never know what I've done. I always get mad when I don't ask. I know. And when I ask you, like, uh, stuff. I don't know what I've done. You put me on the spot. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> How was your week, Brian? It's pretty good. Starting to get busier at work now that. The weather's starting to warm up and people are starting to get out and their cars are starting to finally break. And I don't know if yours is turned up all the way because I mean, it's turned up all the way. It's look all at, the way up. Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe you were just talking really quiet. Maybe. You were just mumbling. Mumbling, Brian. The There's kid. our kids to fight. You guys, we're recording. We're recording. Congratulations, we're recording. Go the way. Go the way. Go the way. This, this is the way. Go <laughs> look at Mandalorian, would you? <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's how my week's gone. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, what are we going to be talking about today, son? So, today I am doing a story on a haunted doll. Ooh, I love the haunted doll stories. Those are actually one of my favorites. So this one's kind of... I've never heard about this one before. Uh, it's called Okiku the doll. Is that the one that's hair grows? That's one of the ones that like its hair grows and stuff, yeah. I think I think I know this one. So there's so there's one in the U.S. that like has the hair grow. This one is... Japanese oriented. So, yeah, I think when like the girl that owned her died or something, right? I'll tell you the story. Okay. Sorry, I should not give away <laughs> Brian's story. Give my story away. I'm, I'm so, excited. I like this one. In 1918, a young man purchased a doll that would later on claim the name of Okiku as her own for his two year old sister. And the legend would kickstart a tourism flash. Who'll save every one of us? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. So Sorry. Japan during this era was still stuck in the ways of feudalism. While the world around her was embracing the progress of technology and science, Japan was holding tight to her beliefs and to her rich mythology and fables. 
This was a land, and still is by all accounts, where demons, ghosts, vampires, and other creatures roamed free. The land where goblins and evil spirits were constantly harassing normal folks. On February 3rd, he drove evil spirits away by going to shrines and through rituals and fol folklore practices. Why on February 3rd? It's just the day to get rid of evil spirits, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of like a random up. date, right. huh? Um, kind of speaking on the... Have you heard half of the Japan horror stories or like scary stories, paranormal stories? I have not. They have some of the scariest stories. They really do. Like it's crazy. We'll like, have to find some for next week. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, so Lake Monsters gobbled kids up. Woods like Aokigahara, Aokigahara, northwest of Mount Fuji, throw people insane and compelled them to suicide. Foxes were sacred and devoted animals. Japanese culture was and still is fraught with legends and the supernatural boogeymen, and dolls, some of them, were powerful instruments of magic. You didn't mess with dolls. So this doll was bought in Sapporo by a 17-year-old Akichi Suzuki in 1918 for his two-year-old sister, Okiku. He was touring the region for a maritime exhibition, and the doll instantly drew his eyes. The perfect little thing sat on a shop window enticing him. Suzuki didn't think twice. He went in and instantly purchased the figurine for his sister. He used the last of his money for it. At about 40 centimeters tall and dressed in a traditional mono, kimono, the, the doll was exquisite. Its hair was raven black and cut to roughly shoulder length in a traditional Okapa hairstyle. Her eyes were piercing coals that seemed to swallow everything up in their gaze. The thing was mesmerized me. Mesmerized me? Was mesmerized me. The thing was mesmerized. <laughs> I can't even say her. <laughs> mesmerizing. The thing was mesmerizing and enchanting, something to take your breath away. Suzuki went back home and gave the doll to his little sister. The tyke fell in love with the doll immediately. It transformed into Okiku's favorite toy and, more importantly, her best friend. Okiku played every day with the doll, took it everywhere, and treated the figurine like a little sister. She would talk and prattle with the thing, feed it, sleep with it. She decided to call the doll Okiku. A mere duplicate of herself. The doll never left Okiku's sight. Then, a year later, tragedy struck. In 1919, Okiku died. Yellow fever had descended on the land and rubbed the fam. Rubbed the family? Robbed the family. <laughs> Yellow <laughs> fever had descended on the land and robbed the family of the little girl. Okiku <laughs> died. the wrong way, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Okiku died gasping for air in pain and afraid. The doll held firmly in her grasp. She was only three years old. The family wanted to bury the doll along with Okiku, but circumstances and governmental oversight prevented this act of kindness on their part. The doll was never laid to rest with Okiku. So, 
I guess they had the shrine in the house that they, after she passed away, they put the doll up there. Right. So Okiku the doll was alternatively located in the family's altar, a common practice in certain Japanese households to commemorate the dead. The small shrine celebrated their daughter and marked her passing into the afterlife. That's when the weirdness started to occur. One day, the family started to notice that the doll's hair was getting longer. Once a traditional shoulder-length cut with neat ends, now a mangled mess of split ends reaching down past her waist. It was scruffy, different colors, and felt different. That's weird. Yeah. So not only is it growing, but it's like different colors, and it just feels different. Yeah. So at night, they started to dream of Okiku, and sometimes the doll would appear by their side come morning. That would creep you out. Right? Like, you have it in this one spot, and then you have a dream about her, and then, like, the next morning, the doll's, like, right by you. Oh, that. I I couldn't handle that. Yeah. So the chilling events intensified and grew into full-blown acts of spiritual infestation. Lights flicking on and off bangings in the house, noises, and strange voices. The closer the year got to certain key dates, Okiko's birthday and the day of her death were like the main times that they would notice this paranormal stuff going on. Okay. So over time, there were certain and town shamans slash spiritual leaders concurred that their daughter's soul was in fact trapped within the doll. In 1938, the family relocated to a different district. They had by now become accustomed to Okiku and had even grown fond of their daughter's restless spirit. To them, it was a magical and unique opportunity to interact with the dead. Not desiring to take Okiku with them, fearing that what fueled her magic was the proximity to their daughter's grave. The family approached the local temple and asked them to take care of the doll. The temple by now had heard countless stories of the amazing doll, the haunted doll whose hair grew every year. They were fascinated, skipping like schoolgirls with the prospect. (laughs) The priests gleefully accepted the charge and started taking care of Okiku. Over time, they've managed to confirm the veracity of some of the claims particularly that the hair does indeed grow. The priests have sent out cut samples of the hair for scientific analysis. Scientific examination of Okiku proved that the hair was that of a human child. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Right? Like, I just... Which I get, like, back in the day they used to use real hair for dolls. Yeah. So, I mean... Back in the day, it probably was made out of real hair, so anything you cut off of it is going to come back as human, right? Yeah. But the fact that it's growing is nuts. Yeah, like every year it just grows longer and longer, and they just keep cutting it. (laughs) So I wonder if they didn't cut it, how long it would get. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious. and be like, let's not cut it and see how far it'll go. Right. So, yeah, regularly the hair gets a trim, and the doll stays happy and content. So I don't know if maybe, like, if it's not too long, like... If it gets out of control. Right. If she would get, like, pissed off or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> back of your head is ridiculous. Excuse me. Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> so in 
So as the years passed on, the doll's fame grew and her powers further developed. She's bolder now, invading the dreams of the priest and those that come to visit her. She's stronger, her hair growing faster and wilder, and she's even spookier. The lasted event driving tourists mad is the frightening claim is that the mouth of Okiku is slowly opening and that if you dare to peer inside, you may be able to glimpse something like baby teeth spouting like weeds from porcelain gums. So well, now she's like starting to grow teeth inside her mouth. <laughs> if they pull them and test them and they're human, right. that's going to be creepy as hell. I didn't see anything on that, but I'm kind of interested now to try and find out, like, if they have been able to test the teeth and see. Right. It is weird. Like, what happens if she gets her mouth all the way open? I don't know. Is she going to eat somebody? Probably. She can be like a little Chucky doll. So, if you want to visit Okiku, she is located in her private shrine on display in a little wooden box. In the Manin-ji Temple in the town of Iwamizawa, Hokkaido, Japan. She's there waiting for all who want to play with fire and have one-on-one conversation with the paranormal and the bizarre. That's crazy. Is she related to the hag in a box? He said she was in a little box. She is in a little box, but not a hag in a box. She seems, I mean, she hasn't hurt anyone, so that's cool. Yeah. She gets a little bit creepy. Haunts your dreams and shows up in your bed when you dream about her. (laughs) You know what? She's probably lonely. Probably. And she misses the real Okiku. Right. She just wants someone to play with her and brush her hair. It would even be creepier if she, like, started talking and stuff. Well, yeah, that would be <laughs> well, which, like the family said that they could hear like her voice and stuff at the night or during the nighttime. So it's, I mean, it's cool for the family that like she passed on, but still they're oh, so they heard the to... real Okiku's voice. Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant like just the doll was talking to him, and they were like, "Yeah, we hear her sometimes." <laughs> She's a. It's like a random doll's voice. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I need a haircut. Hair's <laughs> getting too long. Oh, that would be so nuts. Could you imagine? No. I would have got rid of it though. Right? Yeah. But, well, you guys can take it. I will leave it with you. <laughs> I don't want this no more. So yeah, that was my story for this week. Good job. Next week, I'll try and find one of those Japanese paranormal ones. They have some scary stories, for sure. I bet. So, um, if you guys are wondering why Brian kept it a little short this week, it's because he knew mine was big and juicy. Juicy, juicy. Juicy, juicy. Um, I decided, in honor of the Lori Vallow trial going on that started this week that i would cover the case of um tylee ryan and jj vallow's murder nice which to cover that we kind we obviously have to cover lori vallow and chad Debo and everyone in between everybody in between there is so many people 
so many murders that just got passed off as either natural causes or whatever. It's That's crazy. such a twisted story. It is crazy. So I'm going to tell you like Lori's kind of a little bit about Lori in the beginning of her life. And then we'll kind of get into the whole thing. And it's so much. And I left so much out because I already knew that it was a huge story. And maybe I'll come back and revisit it sometime. But for now, I'm kind of just going to stick to most of the basics. Maybe once the case is all. Yeah, like once finished. the trial's over, we can come back and revisit. Um, Lori was born June 26th of 1973 in San Bernardino, California. She was risen. She was risen. She had risen. <laughs> she thinks she had risen. She's a nut job. She she actually thinks she's like a god reincarnated. She's nuts. That's later on in my <laughs> notes, guys. So she was raised in a devout LDS family. She had two brothers and two sisters. Lori was very into her faith growing up. And um, most of her friends growing up just really described her as being really quiet. Um, but like once you got to know her, she was more outgoing. Lori had been married five times. Holy crap. Lori loves love. Apparently. <laughs> she, yeah. Five times. So her first husband was her high school boyfriend, Nelson Yanes, and she married him right out of high school at the age of 19. And they actually just divorced pretty quickly. This is a quick little marriage. Um, then at age 2020, 20, 20, 20. <laughs> is that like 40? It's like I tried to stutter 2020. <laughs> Say it. Twenty-two. At the age of twenty-two. So, at the age of twenty-two, on October twenty-second of nineteen ninety-five, she married twenty-three-year-old William Lagoya. Sorry, I can't say words. In Travis County, Texas, and together they had her first son, or their first son, together, and which she named Colby. They divorced in February twenty on February twenty fifth of nineteen ninety eight, so just three year quick marriage. She just doesn't stay with them long. Um, now we're going to talk about her marriage to Joseph Ryan. So you remember Tylee is Tylee Ryan. So this is yeah. Tylee's dad. Okay. Um, they married in two thousand one, and Joseph. Um, I read that he legally adopted. Colby, but then I heard in another podcast that that wasn't true. So, in my research, it said that he adopted him. Another podcast said that he didn't. Either way, Colby kind of Ryan was raising Colby yeah. at the time. Um, in two thousand two, they welcomed their daughter Tylee Ryan. Lori, um, while she's married to him, actually competed in a two thousand four Texas Beauty Pageant, and she lost. And actually. Before I did my research, I'd only seen pictures of her, like, in prison, like, come to court or whatever. And I was like, Ugh, you know? Yeah. If you look at pictures of her, she is actually really... Is she? Sadly, she's really a beautiful woman. I'll look it up. I'm going to search not, it up on my Not phone. in her soul. She is not beautiful. But I was actually surprised. Like, and maybe it's just because I seen the prison ones first. And then I was like, 
holy crap, she's not as ugly as I thought she was. But, um, so she did the Texas beauty pageant and this was kind of like a weird thing that I watched one of her interviews for the pageant. It's kind of like a popular one that's just out there. This was a quote from her pageant. Okay. Sorry. So they ask her, um, what's important to her and she says being a good mom is very important to me and a good wife and a good worker and being all those things together is not easy so i'm basically a ticking time bomb like little did they know right <laughs> um Lori also starred in the wheel of fortune that same year and won seventeen thousand five hundred dollars go on the wheel of fortune right <laughs> Which I just thought that was kind of crazy. Um, she obviously divorced Joseph Ryan. She described her marriage as abusive. And later Colby claimed that Ryan had physically and sexually abused him as well. Um, there's not really any evidence to back this up. I watched the documentary on Netflix, The Sins of Our Mother. Yeah. And Colby was on there and he did say on the being that he was sexually abused by him. So I'm just going to take it at his word. Yeah. Um, so Ryan actually filed for divorce in 2004 and it was finalized in May, on May 18th of 2005. In 2007, there was an altercation between Joseph and Lori's brother, Alex Cox, who you'll find out plays a huge role in all of this. Um, they were, I think it was, they were meeting up to pass Tylee off or something. Yeah. And there ended up being an altercation between Alex and Joseph. And Alex tased Ryan in the nuts and threatened to kill him. And a stranger that actually witnessed the attack called the police. And Alex was arrested. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Dang. Which... Later, he actually jokes about in a stand-up bit because he was like a, like an aspiring comedian or just like <laughs> a, he would do stand-up sometimes, yeah. basically. And there's actually a video of it. I'll show you later, but if you guys want to look it up, it's pretty easy to find. Um, Alex Cox, comedian or stand-up or whatever. Um, but he basically is joking about the whole thing. Like, it's just no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the next unlucky gentleman in Lori's life is Charles Vallow. Remember the second child's name is JJ Vallow. Yeah. So it's not actually their biological son. They adopted him, which I'll talk about later. Okay. Um, so, and everything that I've read about Charles, he's actually a good guy. Doesn't really have any, I don't know. He's not like abusive in any way. He's not. He doesn't have a temper. Like, he just seems like a good guy. Yeah. Um, they were married on February 24th of 2006 in Las Vegas, Nevada. He was actually Catholic, but converted to the LDS church for Lori. And so you'll find out Lori is very into the LDS religion. But when she meets Chad, her views and everything get really warped. So it's not really the LDS beliefs, but they're basically telling everyone they are. Yeah. So it's just, it's so weird. Whole thing is weird. 
Um, so Charles had two sons from a previous marriage, which, um, by everything I read, Lori really never had much to do with the two kids from his previous marriage. Yeah. I think they were older and yeah. Um, so in 2013, the couple adopted, this is kind of a weird scenario, but so Charles's sister, her child had a child and was struggling in life. Yeah. Charles's sister, which is the grandmother of JJ. So this is the, right? Yeah. They are older than Charles and just couldn't really take care of JJ. He's autistic, needs more care type stuff like that. So they actually asked Charles and Lori, who by all appearances from the outside seemed like a stable, happy family at the time, asked them to adopt JJ. So they adopted him. I believe he was 18 months old when they adopted him. Okay. So it's Charles' sister's grant and son that they adopted. (laughs) Weird situation, but it, I mean, it happens. Obviously we adopted Grayson, so. Um, uh, da, 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 da. so his actual, his actual name is Joshua Jackson Vallow, but everyone calls him JJ. Kate and Larry Woodcock are his actual grandparents, like his biological grandparents. And yeah, they couldn't take care of him because of their age. In late 2014, the Vallow family moves to Kauai, Hawaii. And um, they spent, I think it was about three years there. Um, Like I said, they're very into the church. Lori makes some good friends there. And they actually stay in contact and everything. Um, While there, Lori began reading a book series called Standing in Holy Places by none other than Chad Daybell. He's a freaking author? Yes. Yes. Wow. He's crazy. <laughs> um, Lori became obsessed with his books. And it's like a series. He's got a series of books. I would not buy them because he gets all the money for them. Um, I did look. There's only one, I think, left on Amazon that I looked up. And I'll read the thing to you. So the only one that I could find on Amazon is called Living on the Edge of Heaven. Chad Daybell. It is $59 on Amazon for a paperback book. Probably because of everything going on, it's gone up. Right? And so this isn't even the one that she started reading. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so this is <laughs> this is the like about the book. So it says an unusual connection to the spirit world. When Chad Daybell was 17 years old, he had a near-death experience while cliff jumping. He crossed into another dimension and realized there was a world beyond this one. A second near-death experience in his early 20s was much more in-depth. He was hit by a monstrous wave at La Jolla Cove in California. While his body was being tossed by the wave, his spirit was visiting with his grandfather, who showed him future events involving his still-unborn children. This accident caused his veil that separates mortal life from the spirit world to stay partially open, so he often feels as if he has one foot in both worlds. 
Chad has since become a noted author and publisher, and he is particularly well known for his futuristic LDS novels that are based on what he has been shown. He has also helped several people publish books about their own near-death experiences. As you read his experiences, you'll realize that we're all part of an eternal family. We each have ancestors in the spirit world who deeply care about our spiritual progress and seek to assist us in our daily lives. Chad has shared portions of his inspiring story over the years in blogs, interviews, and fireside talks, but now he has assembled them into one volume that will uplift and entertain you. His experiences demonstrate how close to heaven we truly are. (laughs) Wow. So, and I'm not like knocking anyone who's had these experiences because I get they happen, but the more we know Chad, the more you're like, he's a nut job. Right. You know? So she begins reading his books series in Holy Places becomes completely obsessed with them. And this is when her views on life really start to change. Um, I mean, she was crazy before this. I'm not saying she wasn't because with um, Kylie's dad, she even threatened to murder him and talked about it on a podcast about how the Book of Mormon says it's okay. She can do that if she needs to, (laughs) you know, like she's been on a lot of podcasts and you can't find them anymore. Like they're taken down. Um, so, da, 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 da. so in 2016, the Vallows move from Kauai back to Gilbert, Arizona. So we lived there the same time as them. <laughs> in yeah. fact, when, yeah, we lived there when all, when the Arizona stuff was going down. So it's kind of crazy. We followed them around, I guess. <laughs> oh shit. Let's not connect ourselves to them. Right. That was a bad idea. Um, so in the fall of 2018, Lori and her friend Melanie Gibb attend the Preparing a People event in St. Saint- George, Utah. So this kind of goes into her new belief system on these books. And Chad, at this event, she meets Chad Daybell for the first time. She's never even met him at this point, but she is obsessed with him. Yeah. So they meet. The so from what Melanie Gibb has told, you know, the police and everything, because she's there with her, they meet and immediately they just, you know, hit it off. They're talking about things that you normally wouldn't talk to someone the first time you met them, sharing these crazy beliefs, whatever. Chad tells Lori that they have lived previous lives together and they were married in at least five other lives. And Just like all this crazy stuff. And so after this, they actually start communicating regularly, like exchange information, whatever. Yeah. And several weeks later, after this event, while Charles is away on business, Lori has an overnight meeting at her home. And she has like some people, like it's a small group of people that she invites, right? Yeah. So both Chad and Melanie are both there. Um, Chad was in town in Mesa speaking about his books and stuff and his beliefs. Um, Melanie later recalled to the police that Chad, um, Chad was giving Lori a lot of attention and he was speaking to the group about his 
really unusual religious beliefs and the deeper mysteries of God. And he told them that he lived 31 other lives on separate Earth-like planets. He referred to the other others as, like the other people there, like as either light or dark spirits. And various, they were in blah, 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 blah. And very, various levels in between the light and dark spirits. So he had like this whole crazy ass system that he would rate people. And he'd be like, you're a level two light spirit. Or you're a level three light spirit. And and like according to the this chart, you could um, be a level two light, but very easy for you to switch to dark. And same with level three, you know. And then um, I think it said that Lori was like a level four point something light spirit, which was pretty high, you know. <laughs> and it just... It's so crazy, like his little sit, like he's it's completely made up. He's made it up, yeah. And just she eats it up. She's just like, yes, you know. So Chad believes that the dark individuals are from this earth, and they are followers of Satan. And individuals that are light are followers of Jesus Christ, which makes sense. Right. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I didn't mean that explanation, but cool. Um, so he referred to Lori as an eternal being, which I hope she's not, but um, who had lived 21 separate lives, and only five of those lives were spent on this planet, which were coincidentally the same five lives that Chad had lived on this planet. They're just meant to be. <laughs> I guess so. Um, and Lori is just like enthralled with him and attracted to this belief system. And Chad's attracted to Lori, right? Yeah. So, um, well, they were married five different times. Yes. So, so it makes sense. Um, and then also at this little gathering, I, uh, I think I read it today and it, so it's not in my notes, but at this little meeting, Chad, um, Created a portal in Lori's closet so that they could uh, communicate whenever ever she needed to. Here, here's a portal. It's like a tablet, like an iPad. You know, they have those like um, Alexa things that they call like Facebook portal. Oh, you know, the Amazon Alexas, I think you can FaceTime on those too. Right? So they put like one of those in her closet or something. That's what it's I like, picture when you say like a right. portal. <laughs> it probably was something stupid like that, like a throwaway cell phone. Um, okay, so on December 5th of 2018, Lori and Chad appear on a podcast together called Preparing a People. And on that, that episode's called Time to Warrior Up. This is taken down. I searched for it. And then I actually found out later that basically all the podcasts with them on it are taken down. So, makes sense. Yeah, kind of a bummer. But if you listen to like, like I think on the Netflix series, they had clips of it, and then there was another podcast that I listened to. Um, serial seriously, it's serial like serial killer. Yeah. And then asleep, <laughs> I can't say it because I can't even say words. Seriously, yeah. 
Um, she had clips of it on hers as well. Um, on February 2019, Lori told Charles, and he is in Texas on business when this all is going down. He tells Charles she no longer cares about him or JJ and that he was the reincarnated. <laughs> this makes you laugh. She was the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Joseph Smith was um, like the LDS religion, first prophet, um, founder of the church. So she thinks she is the reincarnated wife of him, which no. And then she's also told him that she was married to the angel Moroni, which how is that even possible? Right. Right. So she just has lost her mind. And um, she tells him all this stuff. He's away on business. She cancels his flight back to Arizona. She picks his truck up from the airport and takes it so he can't get to it. He has to rebook a flight to fly home. When he gets to the airport, his truck is gone. <laughs> Like, and she basically, she tells him, don't come back, you know, and she tells him that, and I think I had this later down in my notes, but she told him that he's no longer Charles. He is a dark spirit. So basically what a dark spirit, what they're saying a dark spirit is, is, um, your spirit has now left your body and a demon has now inhabited it. So you are now a dark spirit, but your real spirit is trapped in limbo. And the only way to save you from limbo is to kill your physical body. This is their thought process. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically he, after this, he calls the police when he gets home um, she's not there, but she's locked him out of the house, got rid of all of his stuff. Um, the kids are gone. She's gone. Their dog's gone. He's worried about them. He calls the police. And there's like actual um, body cam footage you can watch of this. And he's like telling the police, you know, she's threatened to kill me. She's got the kids. I haven't talked to him in two days. I'm worried about him. I'm worried she's going to hurt him. Yeah. All this stuff. And um, the police kind of at first is like kind of a butthead about it like how'd she threaten to murder you how'd she you know yeah. and he's like she told me that she would destroy me and he goes well that's not threatening to murder you and he's like she also told me you know and she's going around telling him you know that she told him that he is no longer charles he is a demon now named either there's two different names either nick or ned schneider it's <laughs> <laughs> his new name so that's who she believes he is and that she can now kill him with her power. Yeah. With mind bullets. <laughs> she's so, I don't even know. She's just nuts. Right. So, um, Charles like files for divorce. He gets protection order against Lori at the advice of his lawyer, um, citing a genuine fear for his life. Uh, and, you know, I told you about the the body cam footage of the whole deal. Yeah. She's going to kill him with his power, light, dark spirit, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so Lori had even told friends that Charles wasn't Charles anymore and he had passed away and a demon had entered his body. And his name was either, like I said, Ned or Nick Schneider. And like she had told, I think, Melanie Gibb this. That was her friend. Mm. And um, some other people. And basically when he had called the cops, they come back and they get Lori. And she's basically laughing about the whole thing. And they're telling her, you know, um, based on what he's told us, the things that you've said, done, whatever, he can have you committed, blah, blah, blah. They tell her she should get evaluated. So she does. And it's right back, you know, she's a smooth talker. She can pretend that she's sane. Yeah. And um, so nothing came out of that. She's cleared. Um, Charles is really worried about the well-being of JJ and Tylee. Blah, 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 blah. Charles is really worried about the well-being of JJ and Tylee, according to his lawyer. <laughs> I can't, I lost my place, according to his lawyer, but was unable to inclu- include Tylee in any of like his filings for like custody, whatever, because she was not his biological, he's not his biological, he's not her biological parent. Yeah. So he actually ends up withdrawing all of his filings a month later and stated that he wanted to try and make this marriage work. Um, one thing that I forgot to tell you because I skipped completely over it. When um, the whole she takes his truck, all that stuff. Yeah. She actually disappears for like 58 days oh, crap. and cleaned his business account out. $35,000. Dang. Like he was not even able to do his payroll for any of this, right? She took. $35,000 and disappeared for 58 days. That's and nuts. I think they said, like, they think she went back to Hawaii or whatever. She goes to Hawaii a lot. She's living the dream. Right. <laughs> so, um, so then he takes back his filing. He's like, withdraws it. He's going to try to make it work, which I think he's really just trying to keep tabs on the kids, make sure they're okay. Yeah. You know, on July 11th of 2019. So at this point, um, they're kind of estranged. He's comes back from Texas and he goes to Lori's home to pick JJ up for school. When he gets there, his brother Alex is there and they get into an altercation. What? Right? Just like with Joseph. Except this time he doesn't make it. Spoiler alert. We already know this. Anyone that's following this case knows it, but um, there's an altercation. They start arguing, Lori, Alex, and Charles. They're all arguing. Tylee come. This is Tylee's, what she told the cops, but it just seems like she's been told what to say. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah. You know, so According to Tylee, she came out of her room with a bat and put it in between Lori and Charles to separate them. And Charles took the bat from Tylee and was like, you don't do this to your dad, whatever, you know. Yeah. So um, at this point, Lori claims that she took JJ out to the car, to Charles's car, and puts him in there and to take him to school. And as she's leaving, she hears gunshots and she drives away. 
Right. Right. So police receive a 911 call from Alex Cox claiming to have shot Charles in self-defense after Charles had come at him with a bat. So they specifically put the bat in his hands because obviously he didn't come with a bat. So they have to put it in his hands somehow. So Tylee comes out of her room with the bat and he goes after Alex after everybody leaves and he shoots him in self-defense. Yeah. You know, um, Alex said that he had gone to his room to get the gun after Charles had hit him. And if you got hit by a bat, like full on, someone's coming after you, swinging at you. You'd either be knocked out or you'd have a pretty big gash on your head. Right. You'd probably have to go to the hospital. Right. Get some, maybe sewn up. Yeah. Right. Um, He had a small wound on his head, but. Nothing. He didn't even get checked out at the hospital. Nothing. He was fine. He kept dabbing at it to like get attention for it. Like, oh yeah, look, he hit me. Charles was a minor league baseball player at one point. Played baseball his whole life. He was a big dude. Yeah. If that man hit you with a bat, you'd be out. You'd be out. Yeah. Right. Like it's just like, hey, and you barely have a little, a little tiny cut on your head. Yeah. <laughs> so and even his family and friends are like no he's he's built he played baseball he was a you know he played as a like a minor league type thing you know he played in college he so it was just kind of like mm, pretty sure that didn't happen but um so alex is on the phone with 911 um and they're Asking him if, you know, is he still breathing? I don't know. Can you perform CPR? No, I don't know how. If I walk you through it, can you, can you use CPR? Oh, okay. So she's walking him through the chest compressions, whatever. You can tell he's not doing it. Yeah. You can tell just like, if you're doing chest compressions, you're going to be out of breath. Right. You're going to be, it's going to be like, you know, you're going to be able to hear it. Yeah. So, police get there and everything, and when they get in there, Charles is laying face down. If you did chest compressions, can you do it while they're laying face down? You can't. No. So, he didn't even try. He would have had to flip him over to do it. Yeah. So, it's like, (laughs) why not just say, dude, I'm not doing it? Yeah. You know? And so, like, and they even ask him, you know, how long ago did you shoot him? Whatever. He goes, oh, like, five minutes ago. You shoot someone, why would you wait five minutes? Right. Like, what are you doing? And so, um, Lori shows back up to the house like 20 minutes later after dropping JJ off at school. His dad just got shot and you took him to school? (laughs) What is even happening? So, police, they're already at the scene, you know, they're talking to... um, Talking to da, 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 Alex, right? Yeah. Um. So then they're like talking to. Then they start talking to Lori, and she's super calm, super collected, smirking, like nothing. Her husband was just shot by her brother. Doesn't care. And she even jokes and was like, "Yeah, we just moved here. Sorry, neighbors." 
what the heck? So it's just, it's crazy the way they're acting. It's just not normal. And I tell you, Alex is sitting there, keeps patting his head like, look, he really did hurt me. And she's laughing. Yeah. And the police are like, okay, yeah, it was self-defense. And did not pursue it. Obviously, now this case has been opened back up now that everything's come to light. Yeah. And the whole situation. But at the time, they didn't pursue it. And they were just like, okay. Self-defense. Good story. Right. (laughs) So, after the shooting, Lori texted Charles's two boys to let them know their dad was dead. And then basically ignored her phone for hours while they are texting her and calling her to try to figure out what happened to their dad. Could you imagine if your mom texted you or obviously your parents are still married, so it's a little bit different, but just text you was like, Hey, your dad's dead. And then ignored her phone. No. Right. Like that's not normal behavior. Yeah. That's not normal. So they're trying to figure out what happened to their dad. And after hours, and they're like, basically like, you are not that busy. You need to call us back. You need to text us what happened, what's going on, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And she tells him, sorry, I've been really busy. I'm just getting JJ to bed. And um, I'm waiting on the Emmy report. And then we can plan a celebration of life. And, you know, she'll keep him in the loop, basically. Yeah. He was shot by her brother. Why does she need an ME report? Yeah. She knows what happened. She knows he was shot, but she won't tell them. She basically told them that they died, that he, they, she didn't know. And then she told her son, Colby, that he had died of a heart attack. Like, why are you, why are you lying? Yeah. Like, it's going to come out. Why are you lying? Right. It's just stupid. Um. So, the night of the murder... This is going to piss you off because it pissed me off. They have a pool party at her house that he was just murdered in. What the hell? And just had a bunch of friends over, whatever. Were loud as hell. The neighbors are like, oh, yeah, they were partying all night. We heard it. They were loud. There's something seriously wrong with this lady. Right. And her brother. Right. And like this is only the bare minimum <laughs> of what is going on. So. Not long after the death of Charles, um, Lori tried to open a claim on his um, life and his one million dollar life insurance policy. So too bad for her. Charles had changed the beneficiary a few months earlier to his sister Kay when he realized that Lori had been changing the password to try to lock him out of it. Nice. So he got nothing. And he basically told Kay, you know, I just want to make sure JJ's taken care of. Yeah. So, and I mean, he had told people he was scared for his life. He told people he thought she was going to kill him. Yeah. And then he turns up dead. And she had even told people that um, she knew he was going to die. Like, I think Chad prophesied of his death. Which you'll find as a theme when he prophesies of his own wife's death. His own wife's his own wife's death. Yeah. He has, you know, these dreams and he has one foot in both worlds. <laughs> so 
After Charles' death, Lori tells Colby, Colby that she's moving the following day and doesn't tell him where she's going. So this isn't like the day after his death, but like she tells Colby, hey, I'm moving tomorrow. And doesn't tell him where she's going and she just takes Chet, JJ and Tylee and they actually moved to Rexburg, Idaho. And wouldn't you know it, her brother Alex Cox also moves to Rexburg, Idaho. Along with um, one of their nieces, Melanie Boudreau. And you will find out she's also kind of a main person in this story. Um, you know who else lives in Rexburg, Idaho? Chad Daybell. What? Right? So that's where he lives this whole time, and she wants to be closer to him. Um, so let's do some background on Chad. Chad was born August 11th, which is JJ's birthday. Your and brother, J- your brother and your grandma's birthday. Yep. Brent has a brother, JJ. So now JJ Vallow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so August 11th of 1968 in Provo, Utah. He was also raised in the LDS LDS church. He served an LDS mission and he received his bachelor's in journalism from BYU in 1992. Chad was married to Tamara Douglas or Tammy in March of 1990 in Manatai, Utah. And together they had five children, Garth, Emma, Seth, Leah, and Mark. Chad, at one point, which I thought this was kind of funny, worked as a cemetery sexton, which, no, Brian, <laughs> it's not a weird sexual thing. Okay, <laughs> good. I was worried. I even put that in my notes because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, so a sexton, a cemetery sexton is basically the person who digs the graves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. So Chad claimed to have the few, I put this in here after I already read you the thing, but he had some near death experiences that gave him special abilities and he claimed to be a prophet. And another thing I heard today, um, so he was actually in the bishopric. Really? Yes. And for those of you that don't know the LDS religion, the bishopric is basically the leaders of a ward. So um, a ward is just like your area of people that go to. You have like time slots and whatever. And so like if you're in the first ward, you have a bishop, a first counselor, uh, you know, he was in the bishopric. Dang. <laughs> right. And he's this crazy. That's nuts. Um. So, do to do, he claimed to be a prophet. Obviously, this wasn't like while he was in the bishopric. I don't think. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been like, "Get out of here," right. you know. Yeah, that's basically um, not good. The LDS religion believes there is only one living prophet at a time, and we all know, you know, who that is. Who that is, it's not like a guess, like, yeah. oh, is it you? Are you the prophet? No, it is an appointed official of the church, you yeah. know. So um in 2004, Chad opened a publishing company called Spring Creek 
Book Company, which he used to publish his End of Times fiction and other religious books, which I read you the thing on that. Um, in 2015, Chad claimed to hear a voice that told him to move to Rexburg, Idaho. And he cl- has claimed that that's going to be the new Jerusalem. Yeah. Right? Rexburg. Rexburg. <laughs> the tiniest little town. <laughs> well, there's only 144,000 people that are going to be saved, according to Chad and Lori. So, wow. I mean, they don't need a big place. Right. <laughs> um. So him and Tammy moved to Rexburg from Springville that June after he had this little dream or whatever it was, or the voice that told him. So now Chad, Lori, Alex, and Melanie all live in Rexburg. Um, Alex, Lori, and Melanie have all either bought or rented townhomes in the same community. So they're all neighbors. And um, so Melanie Boudreau is Lori and Alex's niece from their sister. And her, their sister had actually passed away years earlier um, from complications to diabetes but a weird thing after she passed away is that alex was caught using her credit cards which is pretty sketchy right yeah and that's after she had passed away like he's out there with her credit cards racking them up this alex guy just seems super sketchy anyway oh yeah oh yeah and he's kind of like Lori's little right hand man like he does what she tells him you know um, so I also want to mention on October 2nd of 2019, Melanie hus ex-husband, Brandon, is shot at outside of his Gilbert, Arizona home. The vehicle involved in this shooting was determined to be Charles Vallow's Jeep that was given to Tylee. The shooter is believed to have been um, Alex. But Brandon couldn't identify the person who was the driver. So someone's driving the Jeep. Alex is in the backseat shooting. So that was on October 2nd, 2019. On October 9th of 2019, there's another attempted attempted shooting that happens in Rexburg. This time it was an attempt on Tammy Davidel, which is Chad's wife. Right? Yeah. She reports a man dressed in all black, tried to shoot at her with what she thought was a paintball gun. It's now been determined that no, it was a real gun with a silencer on it. And that's why she thought it was a paintball gun like the silencer made it look. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about guns. You do. <laughs> but um, it's proved that it's not. And it's also the same gun that was used in the attempted shooting of Brandon. And then we should probably talk about the fact that Chad told people that he had the prof- prophetic dream that Tammy was going to die. He said she was going to die in a car crash. Um, he even sent her up to Utah to visit some family and right. assumed she was going to die she, in a crash. Right? Either there or on the way back. So go by yourself. He, did. he sent her by herself to go visit her family in Utah. And I think he thought she was going to die in a car crash on her trip. Right? Yeah. And so all this time as all this is going on, Lori and Chad are having a an affair, basically. Yeah. Um, like her friend Melanie Gibb 
lived in Arizona has come to visit and finds out like they're getting up every morning, going on walks at the BYU track, um, holding hands, kissing, whatever. His wife is still alive at this point. Yeah. And she's like, are you not worried? Like, and she's like, oh no, she doesn't come over to this side of town. Like she had a job. So of course she's, she was, she was a teacher. So of course she's at work and he's just an author. So he can do whatever the hell he wants. So sadly, 10 days after the attempted shooting of Tammy, she actually dies air quotes in her sleep. Uh Tammy was a healthy 49 year old woman that was training for a marathon. But at the time, they obviously, you know, the police didn't know about all these other deaths and all this other stuff happening. And it was ruled as a heart attack because Chad refused an autopsy to be done and buried her three days after she died. Like, how did you have everything prepared? Right. It was just like, boom, she's okay. She's in the ground now. Like, what the heck? You know, yeah. Um, now with you know Charles and Tammy gone, Chad and Lori get married on November fifth. Tammy was buried on October twenty second. Yeah, that was only a couple weeks. They get married, and according to Lori's Amazon purchases, she was planning the wedding sometime before Tammy's death. She had purchased their wedding rings from Amazon three weeks before Tammy was dead. Dang. Along with the wedding, the dress she wore at her dream Hawaiian wedding. Good job. So they took off, got married in Hawaii a couple weeks after Tammy's dead. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, JJ, JJ's grandparents, you know, through all this time, um, they're trying to to talk to JJ, like they had a relationship with him before Charles died. And now Lori's like barely letting them talk to him, whatever. The last time they talked to him, it was like a quick FaceTime call. They said, hi, he tells him hi. And then like looks up, like he's looking at someone and then he's like, okay, I got to go and gets off the phone. Yeah. That's the last time they talked to him. They're trying to continue, you know, they're trying to get Lori to, you know, let them talk to him. And she always has a reason why he couldn't. He's busy. He's not around. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, she's not even responding to him. They get more and more worried as time goes by. And they actually don't even know where Lori can move to at this point or how to find them. But Kay kind of did some sleuthing and figured out Charles's password to Amazon, which is what Lori was using is Charles's Amazon account. So she sees that there's orders being shipped to Rexburg and um, calls the police November of 2019 and requests a welfare check on JJ. Yeah. And, you know, gives him the address and everything. So now we'll talk the last known sightings of the kids. The last time that Tylee was ever seen is September 8th of 2019. There's a picture of her in Yellowstone with Lori and Alex. So during this whole thing, and I mean, I know you've probably heard this, a lot of people thought, oh, 
They killed her in Yellowstone. That's where they're going to find the body. Yeah. And they were like, why are they not looking? Why are they not looking? Well, Yellowstone, it's cold there at that time of year. It was packed with snow, so they couldn't even look for anything. And they're like, by the time they can, if she is there, there's really going to be nothing left with all the animals, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so that's what a lot of people thought at the time. Um, JJ was last seen on September 24th. So obviously later than Kylie. Yeah. Um, he was at school that day and then Lori went to his school and told them that she, she's pulling him out of school. He's going to be homeschooled. And after that, his transcripts were never requested. Nothing. From him or from her. Um, Lori had also posted like this is before they left Arizona and I just forgot to put it until later, but he had a service dog because he was autistic Yeah, and she had, before they left Arizona, she had posted the dog for sale, but then ended up the finding out that you actually can't do that with a service dog and just surrendered it back to the original trainers that they got it from. Yeah. And when they asked why she was getting rid of the dog. She told them that the owner had passed away. He wasn't even dead at this point. Like right. <laughs> it was before they even left Arizona. Like, what are you doing? Um, but to her, what she says is that both Tylee and JJ are dark spirits. So to her, she thinks, I mean, I don't really think she thinks this, this is just her excuse Yeah, is that their spirits are already gone. That they're not them anymore, you know. So it just it's just a reason to. She's nuts. Okay? Yeah, she's crazy. Um, in October of 2019, there's like two Venmo payments from Tylee's account to her older brother Colby, and one payment was sent on October 10th with a message that read "We love you," and then the second one was sent on October 16th with just like a little heart emoji. Yeah. And Colby said that um, he's not heard from Tylee since then. So after texting Tylee indicating, you know, he's worried about her, he receives this response from her cell phone that said she's safe but too busy to talk. And, like, in the um, documentary I watched, like, he's, like, it just, none of it sounded like her. Yeah. So he's he's already, like, this is sketchy, I'm worried. Um, so, you know, Kay and Larry request the, the request the Woodcock, that's their last name. <laughs> they request the well check for JJ. So please show up to the townhomes to do the welfare check on the kids. And Alex answers the door and tells them Lori's not there. He's at Melanie's town. She's at Melanie's townhome. Chad is also in the par- apartment with Alex and he pretends like he barely knows Lori. They're married at this point. Yeah. And he acts like he doesn't know hardly at all. Like, why? It's just weird. So police ask them, you know, about where JJ is. And Alex tells them that he's with his grandmother, Kay. The ones that asked for the welfare check. The ones that asked for the welfare check. And they're like, no, nah, I don't think so. So they go and talk to Lori and Lori claims that the kids are actually with their, her friend, Melanie Gibb in Arizona. So police are obviously going to check this out. Yeah. 
Chad calls Melanie and tells her, you know, the police are going to call. We need you to do a favor. Police are going to call you, ask you if you have JJ. We just need you to tell them that he's with you. So when the police call first, and Lori also asks her this too. Right. She's like, I hope she's a better person. She's like, hey, I told them that he's with you and you were taking him to Frozen 2. Can you just go to the theaters and snap a couple pictures of some kids playing like you went there? And um, so please call Melanie and um, to check it out. And Melanie's like, no. I don't have the kids. And like, there's a recorded call between Lori and Melanie talking about it. And Lori's like, you know me better. You know me better. And she's like, we're friends. And Melanie's like, if you were a friend, you wouldn't ask me to do this. Right. You know? Um, so all that happens. She tells police that she doesn't have the kids the very next day. Like, after they had already gone there. They go back to the apartment, and Lori is gone. Moved out. Everything's gone. Dang. Cleared the place out. So, like, more than a week later, Melanie Gibb calls police saying that both Lori and Chad... So, at the time, she didn't tell police this, right? So, yeah. she calls him, like, a week later and says, you know, they asked me to lie to you. Um, obviously, I didn't, but they asked me to lie to you about the whereabouts. So she wasn't upfront about that part, but she did tell police, no, I don't have him. So um, Lori and Chad took themselves a little Hawaiian vacation. So that's where they'd up and left to. They go to Kauai, rented a condo. And um, when they rented the con- condo, they told Lori told the landlord um, either her kids had passed away or she did not have kids. Um, two weeks after... Chad and Lori's marriage, um, police became a little bit more suspicious of Tammy's death. So now they're like, okay, this is getting really weird. Right. The kids are missing. They got married right after, you know. So on December 11th, 2019, they actually had Tammy's body exhumed and did an autopsy result. Or did an autopsy result. Did an autopsy. Um, they actually did not release the results until just recently for the trial. And it stated that Tammy died of asphyxiation by someone else. Weird. Right? Who would have thought? Right? Not a heart attack? Right? So, it's super sad. It sucks. All these people are dying around them. And, oh, I didn't even mention that uh, Joseph Ryan also died a while back. Really? Yeah, I didn't put it in here, but I I should mention it. So I think they're um, sort of... They're opening the case back up. So basically what happened was um, the neighbor's dog kept going to the door and wouldn't leave the door around because obviously smelled something. And um, so he called police, or he or she, I don't know what the neighbor is, a boy or a girl. And they called police and... When police enter the home, he had been dead for, there was conflicting ones. Some say one, at least one week, some say three weeks. Yeah. He'd been dead. And they just automatically ruled that as a heart attack. And um, Lori was listed as his next of kin. So they called her to let him know that he was dead. Do you know what she did? 
left. She did nothing. Nothing. She didn't claim the body. She didn't tell his family. She did absolutely nothing. But she collected social security for her kids from him. Sounds about right. Right? Um, so obviously Joseph's dead, Charles dead, Tammy's dead. Lori and Chad get tracked down once again by their Amazon purchases being shipped to Hawaii. So she's learned stop using freaking Amazon or don't or use your own account. Don't use your ex-husband or deceased husband's account. So Colby and JJ's grandparents. So I'm saying Colby pleaded and JJ's grandparents yeah. pleaded. It just sounded weird when I was reading it. Um, they pleaded with the Daybells to return the children. Um, they later or the grandparents later offered a reward of twenty thousand dollars for the re- you know information or leading to the return of the kids. Investigators contended that Joshua and Tylee's lives are in danger. These children are not with Chad and Lori. Lori knows where they are or what has happened to them, but she has completely refused to assist in this investigation, choosing to instead leave the state with her new husband. Um, Through their lawyer, the Daybells state that Chad Daybell is a loving husband and he has the support of his children in this matter. Lori Daybell is a devoted mother and she resents assertions to the contrary, they look forward to, or says, we look forward to addressing the allegations once they have moved beyond speculation and rumor, which they've moved beyond now. Right. Right. You're not a good mom. Um, police gave Lori a deadline to produce or to produce her children by a specific date. And when that date had come and gone, Lori was arrested. So the day is February 20th. I guess I should have said that first. So, by February 20th, um, 2020, that day comes, she doesn't produce the kids, and so she is arrested in Hawaii and charged with desertion and non-support of her dependent children. Her bail is set at $5 million. Um, she's extradited back to Idaho, and once she gets extradited back, the judge in Idaho Lowers her bell to $1 million, which is still a really high bell. Right. Um, reportedly, the bell bondsmen in the area were unwilling to work with Lori. Good. Um, she made multiple attempts to have her bell lo- lowered, and judges were there, the judge was refusing. On March 24th of 2020, NBC News reported on documents showing that Chad and Lori became convinced that Tylee and JJ were possessed and became zombies. So that's like going to what I was telling you, light spirits, dark spirits. When you become a dark spirit, you become a zombie is what they call it. So, um, this goes back to Chad's prophecies of the light and dark spirits. They believed that anyone who's a dark spirit, I already told you this. I don't know why I'm telling you again. Because I wrote it down here and I told you earlier. That's why. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. So, yeah. The only way to free their spirits from limbo is to kill their physical body. Okay. On June 9th of 2020, police executed a search warrant at the, at Chad's home where they discovered human remains buried in a purported pet cemetery. 
Chad was booked into jail later that day on obstruction and concealment of evidence and later charged with felony murder on June 10th. His bail was set at $1 million. So they're matchies. Um, So I was reading some of the court things from this week and I read that um, when they found the kids, JJ was basically just like in a bag, whatever, buried fully intact. So didn't they try and burn Tylee or something like that and it wasn't working? And They dismembered her, buried her, burned her when police, and this was from the court documents that I was reading today, or not today, earlier this week, um, when they found Tylee's body, they were basically just grabbing chunks of flesh and bone and there was a bucket full of her, like... I think, too, I it remember was, hearing something about, like, they found, like, her teeth or something, like, where they had tried to burn her at. Yeah, like, it was just horrific just hearing about it on here. Yeah. So, I just, oh, I don't like it. And then I think that's probably why they found JJ fully intact, because they were like, okay, let's not do that again. That didn't work. Yeah. You know? Um... So, on July 2nd, prosecutors dropped two of the charges against Lori. So, two felony counts of desertion and non-support of the dependent children. Obviously, they found the bodies. Yeah. And instead charged her with obstruction or concealment of evidence in regard to her children's remains. On July 17th of 2020, um, considering the two felony counts against Lori have been dropped... Her bond was lowered by the Madison County judge, Michelle Mallard. Judge Mallard decided to decrease the bond to 50000 on each charge, which totaled 150000 but noted that Chad would still need to post a, a million-dollar bond. Um, in the neighboring Fremont, or that's where he is, in the Fremont County to get out of jail. In addition to the bond reduction... A jury trial for Madison County charges against Lori is set for January 25th to the 29th of 2021. Obviously, now we know that got moved. Yeah. Um, on May 25th of 2021, Chad and Lori are in- indicted. indicted. <laughs> oh, frick. Chad and Lori were indicted on the charge of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, first-degree murder, and grand theft by deception for the deaths of Tylee and JJ and Tammy. Lori was charged with grand theft related to Social Security survivors' benefits over $1,000 allocated for the care of minors, Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow, that were appropriated for the children were missing and ultimately found deceased. Holy cow, I can't say words. Chad was charged with insurance fraud related to the life insurance policy he had on Tammy Daybell which he was the beneficiary and received funds after her death. On May 27th of 2021, Lori was found incompetent and unfit to stand trial, and her case was stayed. She has since been deemed competent to stand trial after mental health treatment, incompetent and again competent. (laughs) I can't. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I can't even get my life together. My eyes are going bad now. Um, 
So requests from Chad to separate his case from Lori's case was originally denied, but now we know that they got separated. Yeah. Um, start date of January 2023 for both trials was set. We obviously know that's also been moved. Yeah. Um, it was canceled in November of 22, and the trial was is now ongoing right now. Yeah. So as of this week, um, what was that day? April. 10th yeah. so um the first day of the trial this was something i was reading this week as i was kind of going through the trial stuff i've seen this it yeah yeah she had the nerve to ask if she could be excused for the rest of the day because it was just too graphic for her like the shit that you did was not freaking graphic when they, you were doing it right well, they were showing pictures and stuff of when they found the bodies and the conditions and everything. Too graphic for her. So, too bad for Lori. The judge denied this. But seriously, like, it's too graphic for you. Right. What about the jury that has to sit there and look at this that was not involved? Yeah. What about, like, the prosecutors, the judge, or the Everybody people there. that are yeah. there that did not do this? Yeah. You were there. You can't sit there and tell us it's too graphic for you now. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, um, there's a lot of stuff, like I said, that I left out. They already knew it was going to be this long. Let's see where we're at. But, yeah. Um, I think maybe we'll come back and revisit after the trial. Yeah. I kind of did go through it kind of fast, though, too. So, we only went to an hour and 25 Pretty good. That was pretty good. I said stuff fast. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't mess up a lot. I know. It's probably because I was just like, I know this case. Right. Um, yeah, I've been following it, but I've also just recently this week I watched that um documentary on Netflix, which I would recommend watching. It was pretty good. It's like I think what four or five episodes of the documentary, but yeah. it was pretty good. And then um, I've been listening to a lot of other people's podcasts, too. And then I did a bunch online. So I was just like, I was on it. That's all I've done all week. Read the trial stuff. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that is the story. Lord Uh, Vallow, the crazy, Chad Daybell, the nutcase, and the four four people that were involved in their lives. Or people that oh, had heart attack. One other thing I forgot to tell you. I don't know how I missed it. Alex Cox. Yeah. He's also dead. You know. Um he had I, a heart attack. No. <laughs> so his he also got married. I left that out too. His wife's son who didn't even know that they were married, called yeah. the police because he was convulsing on the floor, foaming at the mouth, all this stuff. Um, and police were doing like an autopsy and stuff. What I read was that they said it was a blood clot, but I think they're further investigating it as well. Yeah. So he was her hitman. So... Who knows? He might have got karma. Not karma, but like he might have gotten her way or made her feel like, oh, maybe he's gonna turn on me, whatever. You know what I mean? So that's my thought. I think he 
she started to feel threatened, like maybe he's going to turn or maybe he started feeling guilty and telling her, I don't think this is right, whatever. So she poisoned him or something. Something happened. Yeah. So um, I don't know how I missed that part. <laughs> so there's so much more to the story. So much more crap behind the scenes with Chad and his following and he following, which is crazy to me too. Right. And Lori inserted herself into that and it just went crazy. So yeah. Just nuts. Right? It's oh I can't even people are crazy. So Crazy people. Crazy people. So, yeah. That's my story, man. I'm sure there's a lot more that I forgot that I wanted to add, but... Right. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> you can add the rest in when you... After the... Do an update. Trial's over. And yeah. I wouldn't think a trial like this would have to go on for very long, but... Then again, you never know. With everything that I just said, I'm sure they have to... You know, yeah. There's a lot of evidence, a lot of crazy stuff, a lot like, of testimonies, a lot of pieces and parts. Like to be on the jury for that trial. I think that it would have been so cool. Not cool. How do I say this? I sound like a psychopath. I would have liked to have been on the jury. They probably would have kicked me off when they found out we do this podcast. But <laughs> just like hear everything and see you know like this obviously this stuff fascinates me or i wouldn't be doing the podcast yeah but what fascinates me though is like how are people this crazy i don't understand it and that's what fascinates me it was like i heard like through sources that like she went into the courtroom every time like smiling oh yeah nothing was wrong like she had no cares in the world it's ridiculous she seriously just has no cares she thought she was gonna get away with this yeah like she thought just whatever they also predicted that the end of the world was gonna be in like july of 2020 so (laughs) that day never came she probably thought oh i'm in jail but end of the world's gonna be here any day you know not one of the hundred and forty-four thousand they're gonna live in rexburg forever right so there's yeah there's so much more but it's crazy the whole thing is crazy all right well it is time for us to end because we got to go get our son from baseball yeah so thank you guys for listening um to my long long story i appreciate it um (laughs) Ryan will have a longer one next week now that I don't have a monster juicy one. I kept telling him how long it was, and he was like, uh, I want to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we appreciate you. Please like our podcast, um, rate, subscribe. It helps get it out to other people. Um, you can follow us on Instagram hey. <laughs> at Deathly Afraid Podcast. You can follow our Facebook group, also Deathly Afraid Podcast. Um, you can write into our email, questions, comments, concerns, stories, whatever you want. Suggestions. Deathly suggestions. Deathly Afraid Pod at gmail.com. 
And what else? Anything else? Anything you want to say, son? You've, you've had a really? you've had an easy episode, bro. I'll have to listen to that one. I know that was a good one, huh? I mean, not good. It sucks that it happened, yeah. but just very crazy. Very crazy story. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.